The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Man, I'll tell you what, Russ, after this podcast, all I can think about is how bad I want a big, full bowl of ice cream. Uh, Can you relate? Yeah, I, I know what you're going after. You're, you're talking about the time I did the financial, uh, the Friday Freedom video on with ice cream as my example, teaching my daughter about taxes, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, so if you haven't watched that video, I'll have to try to see if I can find it and link it into the show notes. But when I was, we're always trying to teach our kids about money, finance, how stuff works. And I, I was trying to explain taxes. And I was doing it in a video. And, and what I did is I, I said, here, get get a big bowl of ice cream. And she was like, I like this video already. Like, this is a great lesson. <laughs> right? And she, she's, she's fixing it up. She's putting whipped cream on it, putting chocolate syrup, nuts, you, you, the whole works, right? And, and she sits down. And I was like, all right, so let's just assume that bowl of ice cream sit in front of you. You worked for it, didn't you? Like, you you, you did the effort to put the ice cream in the bowl, to put the stuff on top. Like, that's a pretty decent reward now that you get to sit down and eat it. And she goes, absolutely. And I was like, all right, let me explain to you how taxes work. I reach you across the table. I drag the bowl over to me while she's kind of watching with this face like, what? What? I, I work for that. That's not for you, Dad. That's my and ice cream. I, 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 whip out, I whip out this extra large spoon. <laughs> and I take a humongous bite out of this thing. The whole time her face is like, oh no, what's just devastation. And then after I take my big, huge chunk out of it, I push it back and I say, that's how taxes work. (laughs) (laughs) It's so brutal. But man, as we talked about today in the cash flow quadrant, how being an employee versus being self-employed versus being a business owner or an investor, how does that give us more of our ice cream back? And give me a full bowl instead of just being stuck and having that just taken that control that taken out of our hands. And I I think the coaches weighed in really well. I love everybody's kind of take on this, Uh, but ultimately it's all about getting you closer to financial freedom. Yeah, if you want to be proactive, not reactive, you want to take control of how taxes work, you need to understand the cash flow quadrant. You need to understand how each specific entity in those quadrants pay taxes as well as how they can reduce their tax burden because of it. We cover a fraction of it in this episode. Lots of good uh, commentary some comedy at my expense, unfortunately, but still fun. <laughs> All right, Joey, let's get into this episode. Let's belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. 
your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the round table. Each week, me, my friends, we talk about financial freedom. We talk about how you can get there faster. My friends are laughing at me because they think that that was not good enough of an intro, but I think it was fine. Don't you? <laughs> Who cares? Maybe, maybe my business partner, the Italian stallion, Mr. Joey Murray does. Joey, Man. why are you laughing at me today? Well, I, I didn't know if you were changing your nickname to Russ the Fat Albert Morgan. If it just it just sounded like, hey, 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 Fat Albert coming over here. All right. I, that's how we're going to start out today. This could be this could be controversial. I like it. Let's I, do it. Well, I am Russ, the idea guy, not Fat Albert. I I have the pleasure of getting just completely worked on this podcast regularly, but it's okay. It, it's it's all in good fun. It's all to help you learn ways to become financially free. So let's introduce the rest of our hosts and let's jump into today's topic, which is about what does the cash flow quadrant teach us about taxes? So across the table from me, I got the resident pilot, the man between two ferns or two bamboo, Mark. The Gooch Haraguchi. How are you, Art? Doing good, guys. Doing good. Let's talk taxes because uh, apparently today uh, they just passed a bill about taxes. So this is a, a perfect opportunity to, to dive in a little deeper. Uh-oh. Are we going to need a safe place to be? Is it- More than likely. More than mm. likely. Uh, well, the man with the million-dollar smile, Mr. Incredible, J.D. Hill. Welcome to the show, J.D. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for uh, saving me a spot, uh, even though I was late. I appreciate it. Thank you. No worries. I'm sure there was a carnita a burger getting crushed somewhere over in Texas today. <laughs> you, you, you have no idea the level of carnitas uh, that has taken place recently. So, yes, there was. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, uh, the man, the legend, downtown Ernie Brown. How are you today, Ernie? Man, I am good. Happy to be here. The thought just occurred to me, if we're putting evaluation on JD's smile, I think it'd be fun to see what you think everybody else's grin is worth around here. Well, let's see him. Show me the pearly whites. Uh, Bernie, the way you did that, you could have <laughs> been an old Notre Dame football coach, current ESPN analyst. Joey, I would uh, put you in a maze somewhere in a lab. Mark, Mark's got a good, got a good smile. I like that. That's good. All right, today's not about smiles. It's about about taxes. About learning. So tell me, Ernie, what did you learn, or what could the book, the Cash Flow Quadrant, which you were just showing off a second ago, what could it teach us about taxes? Well, I remember one of the big things when I read it a couple of years ago. Just it dawned on me that employees pay taxes first business owners investors they pay their taxes last that was huge for me well back up a second though russ like maybe somebody doesn't even know what the cash flow quadrant is so how would you how would you explain that first i think you would enunciate correctly 
I'm sorry. Uh, I think you would enunciate it correctly and call the it fast- the cash flow quadrant. What What did I say? The cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Well, the cash flow quadrant is a book written by Robert Kiyosaki, the person most famous for the Rich Dad Poor Dad series, the game cash flow, cash flow quadrant is a breakdown of people who are in four different quadrants. The E quadrant, someone who would work for a company, someone in the S quadrant, which would be someone who probably runs a small business, maybe independent sales person, a B quadrant business owner, which would somebody have people working for them, or the fall, the fourth quadrant, which would be the investor quadrant. Cool. I just want to lay the groundwork. Can okay. we do that? Now the gr- groundwork has been laid. Ernie, okay. you say it teaches us about employees, the E quadrant, paying taxes first while others pay it last. Mark, what would you say to that? Yeah, my takeaway from the book was that the employees get taken the most. Mm. JD? Both of those are really hard to follow. I just, I'll echo uh, both of those echoes. And, and I will also add... Um, I, I think it really teaches us how to not get taken advantage of by the government. Mm. Stallion. I, I see it as it gives you the recipe or the flow, if you will, of how to make your income the most efficient possible from a tax perspective. Okay. When I read through it, one, it's, it's clearly defining the different quadrants. So for me, I think for so long I've been in the S quadrant and I, I took it really personal. Like he, he, he kicks the S quadrant. Mark, you said he, you, you, your perspective was from the E quadrant. I think it's probably because you worked in an E quadrant business for so long. I've been in the S quadrant business for so long. Like, so we always see it and hear it from our own eyes. That's why I think this is so good today for us to talk about that. But I saw it like he was just crushing people in the S quadrant. He was talking about S stands for selfish, right? You, you never want to let people do a job for you. Like you want to do it yourself. It also talks about being solo, like the responsibilities of everything fall on your shoulders. And I, I think many of us that's been in that S quadrant business feel the burden of being the one that all economic dependence <laughs> is laid upon, right? So that, it's interesting you said that. All right, Ernie, let's break down your response on that employees pay taxes first as compared to others paying it last. Help me and everyone else listening hear why is that so and does it have to be? Sure. Well, I think just in context of a financial freedom roundtable, we want to take capital. We want to buy assets that create cash flow. So we have to have cash flow to get capital to get assets, right? right? And so the idea is the employee earns, then pays taxes, and then has everything else. Everyone else in the quadrant earns, keeps, and then pays taxes. So as it relates to financial freedom, the employee is at a disadvantage because there's less capital to use at any given time based upon their earnings that they can be deploying into assets. I, I would say too, just to kind of add on to that, is most employees get their their taxes withheld out of their paycheck, right? That's kind of why they pay taxes first, it's gone. That's right, that's right. And 
as you were kind of saying, like everyone else has the ability to either pay taxes quarterly or pay them annually. And, and there's creative ways that you might be able to write off things or find ways to do it. Right. And at least Joey, this reminds me of something when we interviewed Garrett McCarty on the show. Right. And he said with, as regard to infinite banking, different concept, but he said, whenever he had cash stored, what did he have to do with his money? He had to tell it what to do. He had to tell it what to do. It, it forced him to think. Well, I think going to your point, Ernie, is when you're an employee, a lot of times you're not forced to think what to do with the dollars to avoid taxes because it just comes right out of your pocket immediately. You don't even get the chance. Mark, you, you also said that the employees seem to get the brunt of the burden. Explain, as you read through the book, some of your thoughts from that. Reading the book and, and you know, going through life as a, a W-2 primarily up until recently is the majority of the tax code that's written. So if you just pick a number, right, if it's like 3000 pages or whatever it is, what you earn as a wage, what you take home, that's getting taxed. And that's that that's really just how that one breaks down. But there's a whole nother portion of the tax code, which are legal deductions that the US government has put in place to help incentivize certain things to happen in our economy. If you are a W-2 worker, you, I, I know this may be contrary to popular belief um, because I, 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 I can sympathize with this. If you're a W-2, you're not actually making anything. As a W-2, you're being paid a wage for hours given and service rendered. It's the actual business owner who is creating something. You, you, you made it in the shop, but it's their business. Their business created it. They went out and sold it. So the U.S. government likes to give, in, in, in one uh, semantic, some rewards to certain things that happen within the economy that they can't necessarily do themselves. So if you are a business owner, if you are an investor, if you are self-employed creating some type of thing along the way, there are some legal deductions you can use so you kind of get in, in some would say an attaboy and others would argue against that, but there are deductions. Whereas as a W-2, you really don't have hardly anything. And so that's why I say the W-2 gets taken the most because you have very little opportunity to have legal deductions for the dollars that you're bringing home. Well, but hold on, hold on one second. I have never thought about a deduction from the government as a reward for creating value. Right. And that, that's what you're saying, right? Like the business is creating value by adding employees or whatever it may be. And so they're giving that person a deduction, whereas the employee is not creating anything. They're just a part of a process that was created for them. And thus they don't get those deductions. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. In the eyes of the tax code, the W-2 is not, quote, creating anything other than dollars that can be taxed and taken away. All right. So JD government you, loves have that. You, have you or Ernie ever thought about it like that? Um, you know, when, when communicated the way, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, my perspective is, you know, I, I look at a deduction as, as being a reward for taking a risk, right? Because as a business owner, you are taking or self-employed, you're taking a risk, um, to start a business right? To, to carry overhead, to pay expenses, right? You're, you're taking a risk to, to go out into the marketplace and create value. If you look at just the statistics across the board, I think like 95% of all small business owners fail 
right? In the first five years of starting a business, like it's a tremendous amount of risk to do that. And, and so I think in order to incentivize or reward um, people to, to want to take that risk, right? The government's willing to give you certain deductions to help you in that endeavor. Um, because if, if people will create value, whether it's uh, affordable housing or clean energy or oil and gas or whatever it is, if you're willing to create value and take that burden off of the government's shoulders so they don't have to, to shoulder it to pay that out, then they're going to give you um, uh, a nice reward for, for doing that in the form of a deduction. Interesting. This podcast is amazing. Almost too amazing, Russ. There's too many ideas and I don't know where to get started creating passive income. Well, here's the thing, Joey. I think one of the things you need to consider in that statement is what is it costing you to not know? What is it costing you not to take action? I love the statement that says you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. If you're struggling on where to start, you have to know what type of investor you are. Know your investor DNA. And if you want to learn more about this, you can join us in our Passport Challenge at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Get started today. Let me ask you a question. If I, if I was going to give you a spanking, I was going to spank you six times. Excuse me? I'm sorry. And then I said, no, actually, as a reward, I'm only going to give you five spankings. Is that a reward? First of all, first of all every dad has used that at some point. So, Ernie, I, I, because you're not a dad yet, I'm going to say that that you may not know that that is a strategy that is, is commonly employed. It is but is it a, a is it a reward for for your child? Is that a reward? Well, the question is no, correctly no, it's not a reward. They're being disciplined. It's not a reward. A deduction is not a reward. That that's silliness. It's a it's an incentive. We've said both, and I agree that it's an an incentive. If you think the the government is out there trying to hand out a rewards that's 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 foolishness it's an incentive for you to manufacture and hire people in this country so i think they're appeasing business owners Ugh, they're giving man. an incentive for this stuff to be done in america and not taken elsewhere the mm. the analogy definitely is a pattern interrupt i appreciate that part <laughs> of it i i will say the reward for deductions exist within lobbies, right? The lobbyists for different businesses are what created the deductions. So it was a reward for someone. However, we see that. I do think that the people who are rewarded in items that come after the first seven pages that declare what income is, are the people who are actually employing all of the, the knowledge in um, laws that that will allow you to deduct or be exempt from certain taxes because you do certain things. And, and that's one of the benefits right now. I would say as I read through the cash flow quadrant as an S quadrant business owner, when I was reading it, I realized that the S quadrant business owner is actually the one who pays the most in taxes it, because you're also responsible for 100% of your social security tax and all, everything that goes with that. At least as an employee, you get the employer paying half of that for you. And the, the employee, you know, pays right at 40%, but ultimately the self-employed could pay as much as 60%. And, and I think you better find ways to write off stuff. You better be proactive as it relates to taxes, or you will have less money than you make. Okay. Now you're bringing up a good point because I feel like as you listen to this, you may have already put yourself in one of these quadrants 
and then said, well, is that all there is? Like, is that, am I stuck because I'm an employee at another business? Uh, how could I make this work for me? And I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on that. So like JD, for instance, what are you thinking about that? Yeah, no, I, that's, I mean, look, a couple of things. Um, being W2 has a tremendous amount of advantages, right? Like, I think it has a number of advantages that, that frankly, a, an, an S or an, a B or an I don't have. One, for example, is being able to qualify for, um, for loans to buy uh, investment properties. It is in, and you know this as, as having been a loan officer, yes. right? Like qualifying for a mortgage is insanely hard for somebody that is that is that is an entrepreneur and a business owner because of the way that we take advantage of rewards that are deductions right <laughs> incentives <laughs> right because of the way that we take advantage of, of not getting spanked is right is that we're trying to less to spankings that we're trying to mitigate that that exposure as much as possible and and the w2 like they get to qualify so much easier, right? So that's a benefit. I don't want to demonize W-2s and, and, and employees to make it seem like that's not a good thing. I think it's a phenomenal thing. Um, and there's a ton of things that a W-2 person can do that, that somebody that's an S or a B or an I can't do. And the benefit of that is I think all of us want to become I's, right? And, and you can play in both camps. You can be an E and an I simultaneously. Well, even just with what you just said, I mean, using that excess cash flow to buy investment properties, which you can more easily qualify for, That's right. will put you at least a portion of that income stream now in an I quadrant. And we don't, we probably can't explain it well, just audio. We'll have to do this in the inner circle where we can maybe draw this out. But when you, when you start having the deductions uh, that come with owning real estate and the excess, the additional depreciation aspects and things like that. Now you can start to have a greater income, but maybe a flat tax percentage, which your overall income is taxed at a lower percentage because of that. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a way to use this quadrant to your advantage. So right. um, great, great point, Ernie or Mark, you want to weigh in? on uh, what other ways people can use if they feel stuck in one quadrant, how to maybe spread the love, so to speak? Well, as for, for me, starting as a W-2, I mean, the, if, if, if we're talking about what's great about being a W-2, because like JD said, it's not the worst place to be. What's really great about being a W-2 is when you clock out at the end of the day, you're done. You're yes. not you're not thinking about, oh my goodness, uh, how are we going to make rent? Uh, how is the, the lease negotiation going? How is this? How is that? No, when, when you clock out as a W-2, you're thinking, did I get out early enough for happy hour? Mm, what am I doing this weekend? Because, because in, in your eyes, the business only works when you're there. And when you're gone, that's not my problem. It's not my business. So um, being a W-2 does have its, its benefits. I mean, let, let's be perfectly honest. And, and let, let's face it, there is no way I would have moved into some of the other quadrants had I not had the W-2. I used them, I leveraged that freedom of mind space on my free time to then go figure out some other areas to move into, to start getting into some long-term rentals, to start looking at some independent business ideas because I didn't have some of that other burden. Now, some other people don't need to go through that or they just have a, a different you know, skill set and whatnot. So I, I think what we're trying to say here is there is no one way to get where you want to go. 
there's a multitude of paths. Let's just try and find the most efficient and the one with the least amount of resistance. Well, and, and to see this quadrant as a means to making your income more efficient. Uh, I think somebody, one of us really smart people said that at the outset of this podcast. So I think, which, I think you're right. You're, you're, <laughs> I mean, Mark, you're just backing up, you know, uh, a very, very wise thought. So, um, Ernie, any, any other thoughts on that as far as how people can use this quadrant to their advantage? Yeah. If, if you're on the left side of the, qu- the quadrant, you're an employee or you're self-employed, you are trading time for money. And to get to financial freedom, you need to be trading money for your time. And that happens on the right side of the quadrant. So, uh, to, so to exist in multiple quadrants is brilliant. If, if you are an employee, can you be investing in things that would, that would be bringing you into the I quadrant? Assets that create cash flow. If you're self-employed, can you be investing into your own business to grow it so that you can move that business into the B quadrant? Can you become the person who owns a job into the type of person who owns a system that, that create that, that other people's work is producing income for you? Or can you, uh, that's your, that's your best investment as self-employed person is scaling your business. The next best place is into that I quadrant. So it's, it's leveraging from the left to the right. And the end goal is time, right? Which I would re- say that's just the thought, because there's so many of us that have been in that S quadrant. And what you just said is, how do I make that S quadrant so systematic? Maybe like the ebook, like the e-myth book shared on that process being duplicatable being something that you can sell, right? Because how many people right now that fit in the S quadrant, as you said, own a job, but even worse, could not sell it, right? Because if they take them, they remove themselves out of that role, they will not be able to produce an income. They are the business. Exactly. They, they are solely economically dependent on themselves being a part of that business without it actually turning any sort of profit without them. Um, now, the other thing that Ernie mentioned, Russ, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't jump in on this was this is a, this is a really clear, um, a really clear picture of time and trading that time for money on that left side versus the right side. So break that down for us, Russ. You, you actually shared this with me. When you're in the E quadrant, you're getting, you're getting paid for whose work? Your work. Your personal hours yeah. are being traded for dollars. As an S quadrant, whose work are you getting paid for? Uh, my hard work. My, my really hard work. <laughs> like maybe 50% more hours, uh, but of your own work. And when you move over to that top right corner into the B quadrant, now whose work are you getting paid for? You're getting paid for others' work. Others. You're leveraging others' time, as we're saying, time for money, trading their time for money, which is huge. That's a, I mean, that's a, let that sink in a little bit and then move down to that I quadrant. Now what's at work in order to provide income? Yeah, assets are at work. The assets, the things that you're purchasing 
they are the ones that are at work. So anyways, just that's kind of one of those things that may not be 100% clear, and but it also should be motivation for us that are on this financial freedom journey to start making strides into these other places. Well, we here, here's a couple of things as we um, tie a bow on this and go into the inner circle and maybe do some more visualization. And on Tuesday, inside the inner circle, we spent time talking about two different strategies that you and I have been employing in our, in our own personal tax approach as a way to reduce how much we pay, right? And those two approaches, one came from being either in the S, B, or I quadrant. And I, I think that the thing that I've learned through the cash flow quadrant is that I must be active in multiple quadrants potentially. And I definitely need to be migrating. If I'm only in an E today, I need to be migrating out of that to try to be able to keep more of the dollars that I make. And at the end of I remember, uh, I think it was a quote from J.D. Rockefeller, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. And this comes from the person that was the richest person in the world. But it really is. The the more that you keep should be our end result. And I think that what if you're, you have any takeaway from today is how can I migrate from that top northwest quadrant, the E quadrant, down through the um, the Southwest quadrant, the S quadrant, and over to the right side. And I think there's a lot of different options. Any part and shot, JD, you want to have before we jump into the inner circle and, and go through this a little more in detail? Yeah, I think you, you, you said that really well. It's not how much you make, but how much you keep that matters. Um, you can make a million dollars a year, but if you're only keeping a hundred thousand dollars of it because of, of taxes and, and those types of things, like you work really hard and only make a hundred thousand dollars, right? Um, and so paying attention to how this stuff works is, is, is really, really important. Ernie. There's no spankings on the right side of the quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> He's staying with the spankings. Oh, Mark. Man. Wow. Yeah. It, mm, trying to keep it clean for a family show. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, my thought is, yeah, we, we, we need to keep as much as we make legally. Um, so, you know, let my dollars go, let, let my people go. <laughs> exactly. Stallion. I, I think it's a work smarter, not harder. Like if anything, let this be kind of a wake up call that, man, if I've been considering these passive income ideas and what path is going to provide financial freedom, um, man, you gotta be aware that the I quadrant is a place where you can start making that transition and keeping more of the money that you're making. Well, and that's the purpose of the inner circle, right? This is what we, we do every single week. We spend a couple different hours, two days a week with you to help you see the benefits, help you see the full puzzle, help you use other people's skill set to help you shortcut the process so that you can keep more of the money that you have so that you can find ways to fund deals, get access to opportunities. All of those things exist when you're surrounded around a group of people who are on that same journey. So if you haven't already, jump on a, a call with one of these coaches. Go to wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash free call and find out how you can get your strategy implemented and get into the inner circle and surround yourself with people who want to be financially free. As always, thank you 
host for for sharing today even though you were beating me up early i'm, I'm okay with that <laughs> inappropriate conversation and all i'm okay with that thank you um, for listening to the show hope you'll share it with somebody that you know please rate and review as always have an amazing day this has been the wealth without wall street podcast don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the wall street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.